You're listening to the Fayetteville 411 podcast produced by the City of Fayetteville, where you'll get information about city government and the programs and services we provide. You'll get topics of interest and an inside look into the various departments to help keep our city moving. Thanks for joining us today for this episode of the Fayetteville 411. I'm Gavin McRoberts. And I'm Nicarla Webb, and we are your host for the podcast. I'm filling in for Sherry. Today, we'll speak with veterans who are now working for the city. Thank you for coming. Please introduce yourself by stating your name, current position, years of military service, and military branch. And we can start with you, Dr. Coleman. Okay, my name is Dr. Tony Coleman. I am a Army veteran. I was in the active side for 12 and a half years and on the reserve side for another 12 and a half years, currently serving as the airport director at the Fayetteville Regional Airport. Assistant Chief James Nolet with the Fayetteville Police Department. Uh, I was in the Army in the 82nd specifically for um, approximately five years active. And Kevin Arata, the Communications Director for the City of Fayetteville. I was in the Army as well for about, actually, for just over 29 years. Uh, and then I've been with the city for about five and a half years. Now, Kevin, uh, tell me about your experience when you began your next phase in your career as a civilian after serving as a colonel in the Army. Did it feel uh, different to kind of report to work in a suit instead of a uniform? It did. Uh, in fact, I joked about it with some other veteran friends uh, right after I retired. I had to wash my hands because I had a tendency to walk by people and you wanted to salute somebody as you go, oh, my gosh, you're not supposed to do that anymore. Um, but it was a little bit of a change. But what wasn't a change was was staying here because of the sense of community uh, that exists in Fayetteville uh, and the sense of family uh, that I think is here. Uh, and I think that's why you see a lot of folks staying around here. It really is a very friendly place uh, for veterans, for retirees, for people to be. Uh, and, and we found that after moving around for uh, you know 20 some odd years, that this is probably one of the more friendly and, and um, accommodating communities that we've been in and we enjoyed it and we've been here since 2010. Thanks Kevin. Chief Nolette, you spent several years in the Army. What steps did you take to become a police officer and please tell us about any mentors who helped you? Yeah well I spent about five years in the Army. While I was in the Army um, of course to become a police officer I was a medic in the 82nd which had absolutely nothing to do with being a cop. but I come from a history. I'm actually a third generation police officer. Uh, my family, predominantly in Providence, Rhode Island, but some others in, in uh, other agencies in Rhode Island. And it, when I was uh, getting ready to ETS out of the military, I had to make that conscious decision of do I want to go home and work for mom and dad? Because at the time they were both still active police officers in Providence or uh, stay here and make a name for myself. And it just fell. Truth be told, I tell everybody I needed a job when I got out. Um, and that's kind of how I ended up going through basic law enforcement training through FTCC and then getting hired by the Fayetteville Police Department. Um, mentors, really, because it's a family business, this is kind of the normal, the normal progression for me in my mind. Uh, since third grade, I knew I wanted to be a cop. Um, couldn't do it at 18. Wasn't really ready to do anything at 18. Um, so the military was the common, common stepping ground for me to kind of allow for some maturity and, and the maturation process to catch up. And then at, at 25, um, in my mind, I was ready to, to become a police officer and get out and, and did do that. So um, really, it's a lot of family internal mentoring. Now, Dr. Coleman, I, I've been working with you for years now, uh, assistant uh, 
airport director, and this year you recently were uh, promoted up to airport director at the Fable Regional Airport. During your time in service, you were also a helicopter pilot, and I imagine that plays a big role in why you wanted to go work for the airport. But how did your experience in the Army help prepare for you for your position now with the city? I think one of the things that the my previous experience in the military prepared me for was to be able to deal with everybody. Uh, the diversity in the military was awesome. The diversity that we find in this awesome community is the same. And so that really worked for me. Uh, in, in the Army, uh, they had a saying, particularly in the 82nd, uh, all the way. And when you, you re- would hear that, you'd say all the way. And then the response would be, and then some. And so that was the kind of attitude that I brought to my work, work environment at the airport, uh, not to just go all the way, but all the way and then some, uh, to be all that I could possibly be. And so when, when I got there, the, the, the individual who actually brought me on board was a guy by the name of Tom Ray. He was my last instructor, and so he was uh, the guy that got me through Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University, and so that transition was smooth. But again, it was really the the type of environment the military had that is basically the same when you work in this wonderful community of ours. Do do you still miss being able to fly your helicopters? I miss being able to fly my helicopters, but I am also a fixed-wing pilot. So when I need to fly, I can go and do that at our airport at the All-American Aviation Flight School. And I invite anybody who wants to learn how to fly to do the same thing. There is no obstacle other than your uh, desire to accomplish it. That is correct. All the way, and then some. <laughs> so, Kevin, you let's talk a little bit more about your transition and the steps you took to get here. Was it challenging? You're you're making me think hard here. Uh, so it, it was. I was very blessed in, in this sense that when I came from the military to this side as a public affairs officer in the Army, uh, it happened to transition nicely into working for the city, doing the same thing. So... So that part was not hard, no. Uh, the, the education, the schooling, the uh, experiences were already there, uh, and it transitions nicely. Um, and, and I guess the other thing goes back to a little bit of what Dr. Coleman said. The attitude that is here uh, is similar to what I found in the military. There's a lot of uh, can-do uh, spirit, can-do attitude in terms of getting things done. Uh, focused on a mission, uh, you're, you're still a public servant, uh, whereas before it was in uniform and potentially, uh, you know, a life-giving uh, opportunity or a life-giving experience, you know, in terms of combat and other things that you did in the military. Uh, here you're still giving in a different way, and you're still giving back to your community. And so we serve our residents uh, as before we served our citizens in the country. So, um, so that transition wasn't tough either. And I think that's, too, why you find so many veterans working in the municipality, which we may talk about a little bit later if we've got time. Uh, but we've got three of us right here, and it was so easy to find other veterans across the city that are working, that have done and had such a positive impact. Uh, so that transition was not hard, actually, coming over here. Now, Chief Nolette, you lead, <clears throat> you lead a lot of people working over at the Fayetteville Police Department, and you make decisions that impact officers and members of our community. Tell us about your leadership skills that you gained in the military and the lessons that still stick with you to this day. Yeah, if, we're, if we're going to talk about leadership in the military, it starts with a guy by the name of Michael Frank, Franco. Um, he was my captain, company commander, when I was in the 782nd uh, Main Support Battalion as a medic. Um, he came in. We were kind of not the most 
glorious unit. Um, and when he left a year, year and a, he came in as a lieutenant uh, and got promoted as captain while in position. And when he left a year and a half later, we were, we were, we were a really good unit. And you saw that with retention. You saw that with uh, recruitment. You saw that with people uh, coming to the department or coming to the um, organization and, and not wanting to leave. Um, I came in with a group of guys, probably about 20 of us, all at the same time. And we spent our entire career there. Some of us stayed in the military, some of us left, but it was just a, a, a group of us. Uh, but Mike Franco had a long-lasting um, impact on me as a leader, not only as a servant leader, which he was, uh, not only somebody who wanted to, was willing to go out and get dirty with the, op with the soldiers, um, but he also was enlisted prior, so he had some knowledge of what it was like to be an enlisted guy, so he had some knowledge of what it was like to be boots on the ground doing the job. Um, and it led to his credibility. Uh, didn't speak about higher ups, didn't didn't look to pad an OER, an officer's uh, yearly evaluation. Um, looked to just hold a standard within within the company. Conversely, when he left, we got somebody who was completely the opposite and that led to dramatic changes within the morale within the organization or within the company um, and, and led to led to um, some discourse, which is one of the reasons why I left um, and why I got out because at that point I just didn't feel fulfilled in what I was doing within that within that um, company and I had I could have re-enlisted and went somewhere else it just was disenfranchised at that point um, but his his leadership stays with me today um, he ended up becoming a PA and then went to medical school and is a doctor. And I don't think he ever went above the rank of major because as a doctor, you really don't progress all that far. But his leadership skills far surpassed his rank in the military. Um, he just had that all the way and then some mindset of he just wanted to be better and just pushed himself to go through medical school. And so um, that's always stuck with me. He's always been that guy. And I bet you if I could find him today, call him, he would, he would still lead the same way that he led 20 years ago. Chief, thanks for being so transparent. Uh, Dr. Coleman, please share advice for young people who want to serve in the military. And then a second part to this question, if you're a little bit further along in your career, uh, how can you try something new? Advice for those who want to serve in the military. First, uh, the bottom line is there are a lot of kids who will get out of school and have nothing to do and they'll flounder for two, three, four years uh, doing nothing or uh, working at jobs that are not focused on what they'd like to do in life. I think the military is an excellent opportunity to do something that provides you a safe place to live, an excellent um, dining facility to eat in so you don't have to worry about where your next meal is coming from, it provides you medical support, and then you've got the ability if you uh, get out to have the, the VA benefits but at the same time, it, it's an educational opportunity. It will pay for the school that you'd like to, to accomplish or the, those kind of ed, educational things that you like to do. Uh, from my perspective, I think it was great for me. Uh, they actually uh, were critical in paying for my college. Uh, they paid for my master's degree. And when I came back from Iraq, they were also instrumental in providing funding for me to complete my doctoral degree. I did not know that there was a, a post 9-11 GI Bill that would add uh, $82,000 to that, in, that goal. 
So I, I really appreciate uh, the military for doing that. Uh, as far as uh, those who would like to, to per continue their efforts in some other job, they just need to realize that whatever they are trying to do, at some point, if they stay focused, they'll accomplish it. And uh, they say it's lonely at the top, but that's only true if you're a dictator. <laughs> the bottom line is you must always remember the people who helped you get to where you are. I've got great people at the airport that are supporting me. I've got, you know, Brenda Baldwin, uh, my custodial person, and Ray Raymond Jordan, who's my maintenance supervisor, Trish Campbell, who's leading my administrative staff. And so I recognize that even though I am the airport director, I did not get here by myself. There are wonderful people who are supporting me, making me the best that I could possibly be. Thank you, Dr. Coleman, for sharing on that. I think that's uh, very helpful. Uh, set your goal and, and you go to, to achieve it. Uh, now, that uh, leads us to our final question, Kevin. I know we're wrapping up. we got about a minute left in the show. Um, I know our department's been working closely together to put um, together uh, uh, pieces to honor the veterans in our community and honor the veterans and that also work for the city. What are you finding when you were putting out the call um, to, to employees uh, to, to participate in some of these? Sure, Gavin, that's a great question. So uh, when I first got here, we did start doing some yearly veterans photographs over at Iron Mike at the ASOM, the Airborne Special Operations Museum. And I know both these gentlemen here, uh, Chief Nolet and, and Dr. Coleman, were there for that this past time and for the others. Um, over the past couple of years, as we've collected names to share on social media, to do photos, to do different things, I've found uh, there's more and more folks here that have had military experience. Uh, so the latest count that I came away with this time was we've got about 70 plus people who have come back to me with their years of service uh, in the military, years of service in the city. I would say, and I'm totaling this up here for the next couple of days to release on Facebook, but uh, we've got hundreds and hundreds of years of military service amongst the 70 plus veterans that I've identified so far. So I think that's a great um, hat tip to them and uh, thanks for their service and then continuing to serve here with the city. I think that's going to wrap up the show. I want to thank everybody for coming on and sharing your experience. And thank you also not only for your service uh, to your country uh, by serving in the Army, but also continuing that service today by working for the City of Fable. And listener, I want to thank you for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to Radio Fable and the City of Fable's podcast channel as we provide shows like this and other timely and informative updates every week. You can subscribe to Radio Fable on Apple iTunes, the iTunes podcast app, as well as the Google Play Music podcast portal. You can also listen to every podcast that Radio Fable has to offer by downloading the Fate TV streaming app available now on Roku, Apple TV, Android TV, and Amazon Fire TV. Visit fablenc.gov to learn more about city services. And thanks for joining us.